Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to rock? Batista with the catch! And Andy Pettit is a starting pitcher! I don't think he's pleased. Raymond Green looks like Duncan from Shrek. Right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. We're gonna drink a lot of beer tonight. Hey, I'm just here so I won't get by. I know words. I had the best words. It might be in punked or something. Or... It's time for Fanatic Radio. From Studio 111 via Radio Saigon and simulcast across the country via Blog Talk Radio, later B4360.com. This is Fanatic Radio. We are the Millennial Show. I'm your host, Mike Gardner, joining the always notorious Ben Florence. And we have a packed show, one of the first in a long time, of actually good stories. Well, thank you to the fans who've submitted thousands of questions and emails. We, we, we didn't get to most of them, but you gave us some good ideas. But we begin today with a... Um, an absolute breaking news, uh, definitely sort of a couple of days late, but ladies and gentlemen, I present uh, the birthday boy, the, the Ben Florence. Happy birthday, Florence Mall on Fanatic Radio. So what did you get up to? Twenty Big 2-6. Did you celebrate in style, or was it uh, any any shenanigans from another birthday extravaganza? Hey, um, so yeah, celebrate the big two six. And but the first thing I want to know is what is that uh, that 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 little sound uh, we just played a little <sighs> sound. What is that from? You know, I, oh, I that, always forget uh, the retire music. Yeah, it was, what it's, is that from? It's it's from the uh, it's from our good friends at the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. There's like every time. Either him or his psychic Higgins says like a really bad joke. The roots just play like they play him off stage. Oh, that's right. And it's like, take oh. care, buddy. I got my back. My head hurts. <laughs> oh man. So I, I, was, I, don't think, I don't think most of the fans heard it, but uh, your birthday story. Another day, another year older. Yeah. Low key. Yeah. Low key affair. Didn't really do much. I just wanted to kind of be chill, uh, do my own thing. So I just, uh, you know, I celebrated the right way and not being at work. So I hung out for a little bit. Buddy bought me Wawa. We could actually go out and get, you know, not Wawa. Not that there's anything wrong with Wawa. We love Wawa. But Buddy bought me Wawa. Um Hey, what you? I, I wanted to do like a happy hour with some folks from work that night, but I got uh, I got uh, blocked, cut some would say, uh, by mm. a colleague who was leaving Fox, and she decided to do her own little happy hour thing, and I actually went to that and had a pretty nice time. Uh, but yeah, we are hoping to do a little happy hour action Friday night 
I'm, yes. Uh, uh, around the corner from work, so hopefully, hoping for a good turnout. That's, that, is, that is pretty solid. And, of course, I'm assuming a birthday wish of yours was that you both the Packers hired a coach. Now, this is the big thing. Uh, so, basically, we'll go we, – since we had a ton of uh, if, if emails and questions, a lot of news. Actually, before we get to the Packers and all the coaching hires in the NFL and the National – and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about college football, how that ended up. Plus, Yankees as well, big, big signees. Um, we got to talk about – we got to talk about awards season. Now, we've, we've had our fair share of awards, but – you you sent me a you sent me an article last week about how no one wants to host the Oscars. Is it still vacant? Are we still? Is Kevin Hart still not gonna do? Are they still not gonna let Kevin Hart do it? Yeah, Kevin Hart is uh, out, and there were some rumors that he want they he wanted back in that they wanted him back in, but ultimately it is uh, not to be. So as of right now, in a matter of weeks, the Oscars will go off. And as of right now, they still do not have a host. So what they're going to do, who knows? But I think the, I don't think there's any shadow of a doubt that they should hire us. That's the thing. So this is basically our demo tape of of the Oscars. Why do you think that is? <laughs> why why are people why are people so gun shy to host these award shows? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of a, an interesting audience. It's kind of a, a funky crowd. Uh, we've seen guys go really risque, like Seth MacFarlane. Didn't really get a strong reception. We saw them have non-comedians, famously with uh, Anne Hathaway and uh, Jane Franco. That didn't go well either. So <laughs> they're kind of and, – and now they're in a position to where everybody knows Kevin Hart was the first choice. So now they're kind of like, you know, a last second dish, last dish option. So, I mean, and, and as we saw with Kevin Hart, all old tweets, all old social media, all that jazz is going to get rifled through, which is like what happened with Kevin Hart. Now Kevin Hart's having to deal with all that, uh, all this, uh, the crap he said back in the day. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a hot spotlight, and uh, clearly uh, some folks are afraid of getting burned. We need to fill it. Why do you think we? What? Well, who would? You, so if you, if we if we were hosting it, what would be? Who would we go after on our monologue? Have you seen any? Have you seen any of the movies that are up for Academy Awards? I saw. Well, I mean, we don't know the nominees yet. I saw Vice, uh, and, and I saw Black Panther. Yeah, so I saw that. One. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I think the nominees are. Are the nominees? Well, nominees? I was gonna the say. You bring a, you have a great point. Vice, how was that? Do you think do you think that is too early to do a movie about Dick Cheney, considering he was only about what two administrations ago? Well, I mean, yeah, it looks like as of right now we do not have nominees. How about that? Um, yeah, nominees will be announced uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, so that's fascinating. Um, I mean, hey, you know, they made a movie about George W. Bush. Well, he, not only he was still in the White House. That came out in 2008. So hmm. I thought Vice was good. I have not seen The Big Short, which I hear that there was a lot of, like, kind of structural similarities in how director Adam McKay, who also famously did, among other things, uh, Talladega Nights and Step Brothers and uh, yes. Anchorman. But he's made this turn towards a more dra- dramatic uh, uh, filmmaking. Uh, I have not seen 
uh, the uh, the big uh, the big short, which apparently he used very similar uh, techniques uh, in the movie. But uh, I thought it was a good movie. I thought a lot of the performances were really good. Christian Bale, I mean, was just tremendous. I mean, the dude absolutely looked like Dick Cheney, and he got the uh, the speech uh, uh, down. Amy Adams was great. Steve Carell was basically playing Steve Carell, but that's never a bad thing. Unless we're talking about Welcome to Marmon, which apparently was awful. Um, yeah. Who else was great? And Tyler Perry was in as Colin Powell. They, like, promoted oh. him a lot in commercials. He was in the movie for maybe five minutes, and he was not good. He, he, he didn't – you never got the impression that he was Colin Powell at all. So that was a botch. Uh, it's a good movie. I mean, sometimes I felt like the tone was a little all over the place. But uh, mm. all in all, um, I think it was a solid movie. I enjoyed it. There's some definitely some good parts. The ending was kind of weird. I didn't love the ending. But all in all, I thought it was a good film, and I think people should watch it. It probably it may not be for the people that are big Dick Cheney fans, but such is life. Well, who is? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you my quick movie review. Fnac Radio, we are the kings of, of minute reviews. I was so it's funny. So the reason why we're so it's nine it's nine thirty on the beautiful East Coast now. The reason why we're starting so late is I was playing pickup basketball with the townies. Yes. Uh, friends friends of one of my coworkers, the mayor Chris Dwayne, who could not be there tonight, as he sent me a text that read quote, I can't tonight, just got back from a meeting for the wedding, eating dinner, L O L. Anyway, the big the big story was um, my 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 once my once worthy adversary, but yet good coworker, yet good friend uh, Todd Hoke laced him up, played with us tonight. He and I are about the, he and I are the same age, and we both played the exact same way in terms of four years removed from college, and it showed. Because the problem is the problem with it is now I love playing pickup because merely for the you know, the sweat and the good workout. I hate it because there's still there's kids that are still in college and you know I ain't no spring chicken but it's I am four years is, is a different it makes a huge difference so yeah that's why we're starting late but I'm actually upset that we're starting late because have you seen Bird Box or have you done the Bird Box challenge so fans want to know your flow your take uh, on on this 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 new movie sweeping the nation I uh, you know it, it's crazy because. I we were discussing it at work last week, and I hadn't even heard. I, I had heard of the movie, and I knew of the fact that there was meaning out of this movie, but I didn't know anything specific about it. And so I haven't watched it. I meant to. I was like, maybe I'll watch it when I had I had some downtime earlier this week. Maybe on my birthday, but I was, never got around to it. But. Very, uh, I mean, the things we're memeing these days. I mean, we're, we're getting memes out of basically anything and everything. <laughs> and so, I mean, it is what it is. I haven't seen, I have not seen it, though. And, I, you know, I hear it's okay. It was not great. I like Sandra Bullock, but, I mean, who knows? See, other than, other than, her last good movie was, I mean, for me, it's The Blind Side, Miscongeniality. Other than that, she's just in such she's in such random roles. You know what I mean? She was in like she was in Gravity for some weird reason, and now she's in and now she's in this movie, which is funny because uh, one of the, the, the one of the people outside my work that I talk to the most, or I say outside my my work outside my office, is 
is the uh, the immortal Cassie Bomano, who is our graphic designer out of Daytona, and she's got two kids, mm-hmm. and she is sort of my she is like the queen of the mom jokes, but also kind of my voice of reason when I when I have like not troubles at work, but when I have like concerns for ma- mainly like plagiarism and stuff with graphics and things like that. She definitely talks me off the ledge uh, a, bu- a bunch of times, but. I asked her about it, and she saw it, and she told me to watch it tonight, but I'm not going to watch it tonight, because by the time we're done with this, I bet it's going to be a, a two-hour movie, and it's just ridiculous. My thing is, I don't I don't get it. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm already talking down about it, because I feel like it's, you know, what was that movie, A Quiet Place, the one with um, with John Kaczynski and, and Emily Blunt, the, one, the movie That's where right. they, they couldn't make a sound, otherwise the monster will get them. I feel like this is the exact same thing, only instead of, you know, the, you know, don't make a sound, don't see them. So now I'm thinking, are we going to, we're, we're eventually going to cover all of the senses by the time we hit, reach 2020. Next year, there'll be a movie mm-hmm. about, you know, don't, I don't know, <coughs> don't breathe, don't, yeah, then it's like, don't eat, don't feet, don't touch anything. I guess, I mean, where, where does it stop? And the, the blindfold thing is, is so dumb. This is what is worse, this this challenge or the Harlem Shake? I think the Harlem I think the Harlem Shake is definitely better. I think this is worse because you know you can. I'm sure people are getting hurt, injuring themselves. I mean, you were doing anything blindfolded. I mean, that's just not a dangerous. That's just not a wise uh, decision. Um, the, I mean, the, the Harlem Shake was goofy, and everybody jumped in on it, but it was kind of fun and it was pretty harmless. So, I think clearly. Um, that the uh, the the the, uh, the worst one is a Bird Box Challenge. It's also just, it's also stupid because it's a Netflix movie. It's like not a movie anyone can see. And I think that's the thing we need to like calm down because it's like if it's a big time movie, then we can actually you know make it make it a, a funny challenge. But the fact that like half the half the country isn't in on it. That's that's where it gets weird. But anyway, Box House, my quick movie review. Um, I saw Avengers: Infinity War. I'm I'm a good you know nine months behind, but it was on Netflix, and because I'm too cheap to go to the movie theaters, that or it's mad expensive to go. I watched it on Netflix, and I the the problem with those movies uh, is. You have to you have to really invest in them, and the problem was I wa- I have to watch it again because I watched it with someone who has never seen any superhero movie before, and she had no idea what was going on, so it was I'm not gonna say it was fr- <laughs> I'm not gonna say it was frustrating, but you know I had to like pause it every now and then to explain what was going on, and I don't like doing that because I'll start explaining things that even I don't know about. But it was a good movie. Uh, I guess there is a sequel. I don't understand the whole Captain Marvel thing because when I Google Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel was a man and and a woman, so I I don't know why there's multiple. Brie Larson I don't think is the best actor. So, Homegirl I don't know why she gets a movie, but but I, but we we'll gloss over we we'll gloss over that. That's another thing. Another thing I don't get is her movie comes out in March. Captain Marvel comes out in March. New Avengers, the la- hopefully the last Avengers. That is set to um, that's set to go into theaters in like the last week of April. 
So Captain Marvel's movie comes out in March, a month later. So we have to quickly like backtrack and learn everything about what's going on with the Avengers because some guy got the Affinity Stones and um, I was mad that Captain America he changed his suit. He like went all gothic and all, and he grew his beard out. So he's not he ain't my Captain America anymore. And uh, and yeah, that's why that's my quick movie. A very good movie though. Every every superhero known to man was in it. Black Panther. You know, Doctor Strange. Any anyone anyone basically everyone's got a movie except uh what's her name? Um Scarlett Johansson, her character. That's why that's why minute rule. <laughs> that's why that's our minute review. Uh before before we, before we deep dive before we deep dive into uh, other things, how uh how was your week? How is uh how are things that at the old, at the old, uh, at the at the DC borough, I noticed a uh, busy week. With the president's speech, and he was uh, he was at the border, and there is still a shutout going down, a shutout, shutdown going on. Yes, yeah, the shutdown is going on, and tomorrow, Friday, January 11th, is the first uh, day. Uh, is the is was scheduled to be the first uh, paycheck. We're scheduled to be the first paycheck that uh, federal employees that are currently being furloughed uh, will miss. So now the uh, the pain for the folks uh, is starting to get real. And there's with this government shutdown, there's just for, you know I mean we know why, but there's just no end in sight, and it just doesn't really seem to be any kind of progress, any kind of momentum. And everybody's just kind of resigned to the fact that you know we're this is this is the situation we're in, and it's it's uh, certainly not ideal, that's for sure. Well, it seems like there's no end. There's mean no end in sight because it's it's a uh, immovable object versus the unstoppable force, which is crazy. And now it's going to see who has who has more cojones. And while that's fun in you know in movies and TV shows, not not so not so highly recommended. You know, with the government, but hey, that's why we are not in politics because we have too much dirt. Okay, we will roll forward. We are very excited. A lot of, basically, a lot of things happened this past week, which is always great. Uh, yeah, we talked about Kevin Hart, which is fantastic. If we hosted, if we hosted the Oscars, by the way, who would I bash? I would I would definitely take I would definitely take the shot at the PC Hollywood I I'd, I'd probably get panned for it, but I would definitely I would definitely crack jokes out of out of all of the things that people have said. You know, being like let's let's say let's say Christian Bale gets nominated for his role as Cheney, I could say he'd be the uh, like the 300th white male to be nominated for an Oscar. I mean, like I definitely throw out terms like that. To really just you know mess with people's minds, which is good. You know that's always good. Make make fun of make make fun of the little guy. I make fun of the big guy. But I think we do a good job. We uh we definitely do we definitely do a good job here on Fanatic Radio. Rolling forward, right, so we gotta start with the NFL. Big games this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and. We was was this past weekend everything you thought of are some teams or should should some teams be nervous or is a lot of it just hype like you know could Philly go into the Superdome and actually win 
are the Colts as good as they are the Colts as good as they as their record says they are? I mean, who who is prone to upsets this weekend? Because we were pretty smart last weekend making our picks. Can we go two for two this weekend? Absolutely. Um, I think of the uh, potential risk of uh, upset. I would say the Patriots. I think that Los Angeles. You know, it was, a, it was a tough game for them, but they were able to crank out a win. I think Los Angeles is a really good team, and even though the Patriots were able to get a bye, uh, the Patriots have not scared anybody this season, and they've lost some compa- lost some games in confounding fashion. I mean, they got smacked by the, a bad Lions team of Sunday Night Football. They lost in the Miami Miracle to the Dolphins who then promptly fell apart after that. So if I was going to pick any team, uh, road team, to go and win, I think the Chargers have got a good shot. Um, you know, Dallas looked good, but I'm still not I'm still not on the Dallas train. And I know what people are not as hot on the Rams as they were early in the season. I think it's going to be tough for Dallas to go in there, particularly with the state of their offense and not being particularly strong. The Eagles-Saints matchup should be fascinating. Everybody loves the Foles magic, but yes. I think it's so tough. I, you know, this, I don't. You know, I still don't think the Philadelphia team is that strong. Certainly not as good as the team they were a year ago. And to go into the Superdome and take on the Saints is a pretty tall task, especially a team that's really hot. So, uh, of of any of the road teams this weekend, I would take uh, I would take Los Angeles. You know, it's I don't think. You know, it, the good the good thing about it is I'd say other than the San Diego Chargers, I like every team left in the playoffs because you know break it down game by game. Colts, Chiefs, super biased there, but you know, Andrew Luck's a great story because Andrew Luck and that team's a good story. Frank Geitzel, you know, no one wanted that job. Josh McDaniels bailed on them. They get you know the the ex Bill to come in with a quarterback that was fragile to the touch also, you know, 12 months ago. And, you know, Luck goes to Germany and his rehab is a mess and the owner keeps it, or say, keeps it quiet. And he comes back and all of a sudden they have the best offensive line in the NFL, which I didn't realize. They're like an all-pro as a rookie. They're left, they're left guard, which is fantastic. T.Y. Hilton is like the only receiver they have, and yet they're winning games. They have the Chiefs. You know Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. It's interesting because ever since they did, ever since they lost Kareem Hunt, they've gotten worse. So this could be the end of the road for the Chiefs. Yeah, they always they always choke in the playoffs, and now with the pressure of them being the one seed, I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas City loses. Um, the other AFC game is, as you broke it down, Pats and Chargers. You know. San Diego has been has been is one of the best teams in the league. It's just they just unfortunately play in the same division as the Chiefs. Beat the Chiefs, I might add. Went into Baltimore and won. It's gonna be very tough because it seems like Bill always has the troops prepared, and this time is no exception. And then the NFC, you know, Dilly Dilly, their defense has got them back in it. John Jeffries has looked amazing. You know. Foles is back at it, but they you know they play and they go in the dome. Drew Brees could easily argue, make a make a case for MVP this year, considering no one thought New Orleans would be this good after what happened last year, except me. I said they'd make it back. 
and win the division. I think, oh, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. But they, I think I'm, the, I'm one of the few that outside of New Orleans thinks they're going to win. And then the LA Rams, McVay, if he loses again, people view him differently, saying you know, he can't win at home in the playoffs. And then the Cowboys are mad. And the other thing is when when you throw fat, I think when you throw facts in the playoffs, you have to take it with a grain of salt. They're like, oh, you know, the Rams, the Chiefs give up this much not you remember rushing yards, and that's all the Colts do. Or the Cowboys have you know, average this much run a game, and the Rams give up this much. It's it's all a bunch of BS. That and the stat, have you play on like the difference between like Saturday and Sunday, you're out of your groove. So it should be good games. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if there were upsets. I would be wouldn't be surprised if there were upsets. But those are Saturday Sunday uh, before and, and we keep going with that before that's over. Before we get to coaches, quick college football. Clemson big win. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, uh, the big that's another thing is Trevor Lawrence had a great game, great season, undefeated Clemson. Dabo looks like a hero again. Two national championships in four years. Uh, made Saban look like a fool. And my, but, but but the bigger question is, what do you make? What do you make of all these people talking about Trevor Lawrence and how everyone's like upset that the NFL has this rule to to keep him in college? What, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, it, you know, we 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 went through it with uh, Mike Williams and Marie, famously Maurice Claret, where you know they tried to declare for the draft. But everyone thought, I mean, you know, this rule, I mean, what is forcing guys, you know, why should these players not be allowed to test their value and go to the NFL and enter the draft? And then once Sonia Sotomayor struck that, uh, you know, those hopes right in the face and ultimately was like, uh, yeah, no, college football can do this. I don't recall what the rationale was in the the court decision, but – that's where we are. I mean, you know, I, there's really, you know, I think the, the justification is like, you know, players aren't ready for the NFL, and that's probably true. But, I mean, this is a free country. It's a free society. These players aren't getting any paid anything uh, out of being, uh, you know, uh, a college athlete. So if it's okay in all other sports, why can't it? I mean, you know, I don't see it changing anytime soon. But I think the, the the ultimate, the bottom line is that Lawrence is spectacular. That dude is the man. And, um, you know, Clemson's got a very bright future. And his performance on Monday night was really imp- impressive, particularly on third down in a lot of third and long situations. It yep. was fun to watch, even though Alabama just came up completely limp. Yeah. My my thing is when did we when did we lose value in in a kid going to college? You know what I'm saying? Why is it that we want this kid to quickly go to the NFL and just you know like he's like what like he's so good? It's like basketball. When did when did we sort of not when did when did we lose the sort of voice of reason to be like no we should he should probably stay and enjoy his time as big man on campus. Am I, the only, am, I, am I the only one thinking this? Like, am I the only one thinking he should stay hopefully all four years and and enjoy the time he has and, and maybe, you know, think of something other than pro football in this black kindergarten, black and white country we live in? 
Well, I mean, I'm sure Clemson fans would love for him to say the whole time, but ultimately in this society and in that, hey, you're not making any money in college football, and guys are clearly recognizing that because they're like, hey, why should I play in this meaningless bowl game when I have a high risk of potentially getting hurt? Uh, and that's also the thing, you know, we saw a lot of players, they, they you know, the potential top picks, Matt Liner stayed another year at USC, uh, didn't win a championship, and fell the tenth in the draft when he was likely going to be number one. I remember Brian Brown saying Louisville was thought mm. to be a potential top pick, then fell to the second round, and they got cut by the Packers the next year because he couldn't beat out the seventh round pick from that the previous year, one Matt Flynn. So guys, yes. really, you know, it's, that's just the nature of the beast, and guys want to get to the NFL and uh, see what they can do and also make some money. It's so annoying, though, because I love, I love the people that, that, that say, like, what if he gets hurt? It's like, the, you know, the, your percentages, first of all, Clemson is very good, and they return a bunch of guys. And I think if you, if you have that doubt in your mind, you are, A, going to get hurt, or, B, not doing a good enough job taking care of your body to prevent injury. Because who, who is it? Like like all those guys that sit out in the NFL that miss training camp, what happens when they first come back to the league after all their holdouts? They usually get hurt, or they don't, or they look like like a shell of themselves. This this is this is no exception. So I'm thinking, Clemson's gonna be good next year. He ain't going. You know, they probably may or may not win the national championship, but I I think. If if you go if you go out of the NFL like Dwayne like, like Dwayne Haskins he's going to a crappy franchise anyway it's not like he's going to the Patriots it's not like he's going to the LA Rams he'll probably go to like the Bucks or who's one of the worst teams like not in the Arizona Cardinals but like the Jets <laughs> you know he's going to a crappy franchise and I would rather not do that I would rather I'd rather at least I'd rather just let the chips fall where they may. I don't have to worry about because if you if you start worrying about your your draft stock and all that, that's a that's a, I look at the NBA, and that's a prime example. It has nothing to do with the NBA nowadays. Has nothing to do with how talented you are, because Devin Booker was the 13th pick, and he plays with the Phoenix Suns, and they're the worst team in basketball. Kids score 70, and then no one you know bats an eye. Whereas you look at I think it was like, I don't know, like Jared Bell went three, maybe two, three years at Oregon, gets drafted by Golden State Warriors, wins a championship. Or all, or all the cast of clowns on the Sacramento Kings. It's all about the franchise and the coaching pair you go to. That's why I hate when these people, for some Gil, thumbs down to Gil Brandt. What does he know? That man has not been affiliated with an NFL team in like 15 years. Yeah, he was the one that's like, Lawrence is the best freshman quarterback I have ever seen. And I'm like, okay, let's just denounce Tim Tebow. Let's just, den- let's just denounce Johnny Football. Let's denounce Scam Newton. All Heisen winners, I might add. And say so Trevor Lawrence, a kid who's played half a season because he was hurt, almost lost to the Qs. It's just ridiculous. I, I think the people are people are so red-eye in this world, thinking that this end of the NFL is so high and mighty. And nowadays, we talk about how baseball has bad parity. The NFL is slowly heading that way, which goes directly to the next topic, head coaches. We have such a cluster of coaches 
being fired, a lot of them are good choices. A lot of them are head scratchers. Mainly your team, Flo. The Pack have hired a guy with no head coaching experience and hasn't had a job for more than two years since he was with since he was with Shanahan and the Redskins. Now, oh no, that's um, who is that guy? Uh, yeah, Lafleur. With Shanahan, Kyle, Shanahan's son, then he has this big vey. Then he has like a cloth with a play call from the Titans. Or are you looking at the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury? What what do you what is this? Are you first of all, are you satisfied with your coaching hire? Are you concerned that he's only four years older than Aaron Rodgers? Um, I'm not too concerned with that. I think you can make you know, a lot of people are concerned about uh, Sean McVay, like, ah, well, he's mm-hmm. going to be younger than a number of players. I mean, he's barely, barely older than a lot of them. I really don't put a lot into that. I think that players, uh, I think that they understand that, you know, a guy can be younger than you and still can command your respect and be, a, as uh, the terms everybody likes to say, a leader of men. Uh, so mm-hmm. I really don't, I don't think that's much of an issue, him being not much older than Aaron Rodgers. Because then you could argue, make an argument, oh, Aaron Rodgers is now getting old. He's only a few years younger than his head coach. I think it's a solid hire. I think a lot of people are really lazy in looking at the Titans like, ah, well, the Titans are only, I think, 30th in offense this season. I mean, or 29th. But that was also the same thing with Mike McCarthy. He uh, was a coordinator for an awful I think they were last in the NFL for the 49ers when he got hired. So... Hmm. And also, you look at the Titans this year. They had no offensive line. Mariota was hurt a lot of the year. Um, and they don't have any receivers. So, they didn't have a lot of players to work with. And they still got a, a lot done offensively. Derrick Henry was spectacular down the stretch. And they had to uh, put their quarterbacks in position to succeed and uh, make accurate throws. So, I think it's a solid hire. He's worked with a lot of different uh, talented and wise uh, offensive guys. Uh, the aforementioned Sean McVay, uh, Kyle Shanahan. He's highly regarded around the league, and he's a good quarterback coach. So I think it's a solid hire. I previously had said that I would be cool with a Josh McDaniels hiring. But then the more I thought about it, you know, Aaron Rodgers has a strong personality. Josh McDaniels has a strong personality. It works in New England, but that's also, you know, they uh, with uh, Tom Brady, but he and McDaniels have worked with each other for a long time. So. Right. I think the Lafreze is solid hire. They're, they're keeping the defensive coordinator, Mike Patton. The defense was good, even with a lot of injuries this year. Uh, very good pass rush. So I'm happy with the move, and I, uh, I am optimistic uh, looking forward. At least for you guys, you were in a rut with McCarthy. This is a, this is a new, fresh face. Uh, definitely has his hands full in the division he's in, more so like uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Thoughts on him? Even worse hire. Because this guy goes from coordinator at Houston. I was a former tech quarterback under Mike Leach. Houston coordinator. Head coach at Tech. Went there. Yep. A sub-500 record. Had a dream job. Two, you know, two birds in the bush with USC. Now he's inheriting the worst team in the NFL. Why? Why is this man right for the job? We could be better coaches than him. Well, clearly the thought process here is that um, everybody wants some of that college offense. We've seen what the Chiefs have done. 
Uh, we've seen what the uh, Los Angeles Rams have done in incorporating a lot of collegiate style of offenses, a lot of spread looks, a lot of option plays, uh, run pass options, all kinds of fun stuff, and finding a lot of success with it. We also saw a lot of it last year in the Super Bowl between Philadelphia and New England, which is one of the more exciting Super Bowls we've ever had. Um, mm. So I think that's what teams want. And say what you want about Kingsbury, yes, his team has played absolutely no defense, even for the Big 12. He had a losing yeah. record as a coach. I, I, I don't believe he won a bowl game there. I think he only won yeah. one bowl game. And let me double-check that. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a good-looking guy, uh, so people love him for that. Uh, mm. Yeah, he went 35 and 40. Uh, let me pull up his coaching record. Yeah, he excuse me, he won the Holiday Bowl in his first year. And yes. He hasn't had a winning record since 2015. He won 8-5, 4-8, 7-6, 5-7, 6-7, 5-7. and, seven, and, seven, six and, seven, five and So, yeah, you generally don't see coaches get fired in the college level and yeah. then be in the mix for NFL head coaching jobs. That generally doesn't happen. But this is a different situation because Kingsbury is a terrific offensive coach. Uh, he developed uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, the aforementioned Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't a high-profile recruit. He was, in, you know, key in the development of Baker Mayfield before he transferred to Oklahoma uh, and mm. then walked on there. Uh, so, and they had some spectacular offense that were really fun to watch. So clearly, especially a team like Arizona, that was a mess and had just a god-awful offense, even with a quarterback I liked a lot in Josh Rosen, a rookie quarterback yeah, at UCLA. Um, uh, clearly they're looking for a strong offense and a, a unique offense and go even more so in the college concept, uh, offensive concept. In the NFL, it's an intriguing hire. I don't think it's a, necessarily a bad hire. I mean, again, the losing record is concerned. The fact that you just get fired is not ideal, obviously. Yeah. But uh, there is a logic here. And I, there's a way I could see this working out, and particularly in Arizona, hmm. not a high-profile job in a team that's going through a rebuilding process. It's intriguing. I, I get why you wouldn't like to hire, but I kind of like it, uh, in, in a sense. I don't think it's the best hire of the offseason by any stretch, but I can get behind it. I can make the case. Is it because it's so – I guess because they got nothing to lose. You, you like how they're yeah. taking – how some of these teams are taking risks. Absolutely, and guys, you see younger guys, not as experienced coaches, not guys that have coached in the league forever. Uh, you know, it's looking like the Cincinnati Bengals are going to hire Los Angeles Rams' quarterback coach, Zach Taylor, who you'll remember as the Nebraska quarterback during the legendary uh, Bill Callahan era. Yes. He's only 35 years old. And literally has been a quarterback's coach for one year. Last year, he was the assistant wide receivers coach. And before that, uh, he had some years as, a, 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 as an offensive coach. Um, uh, he was an offensive coordinator in Cincinnati under the, uh, your boy uh, Tommy Tuberville. And then uh, mm. before that, had been an interim offensive coordinator with the Dolphins. Um, so, but, I mean, this guy doesn't have much experience at all. And so right. it'll be fascinating to see, but he's also part of the Sean McVay tree. Everybody wants to hire the new Sean McVay. It's, it's painfully obvious that everybody yeah. wants a young, talented offensive coordinator because it's now an offensive league, 
And guys are realizing with a lot of these offensive concepts, you can do a lot of damage in the NFL. And that's clearly what's uh, what's going on here. You guys are willing to take whatever, willing to you know pull whatever stops uh, necessary to get a guy like that, even if it means hiring a coach that just got fired at Texas Tech. Right. Yeah, so that being said, who was the best hire? Other than your Packers, of course. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, let me just take a look at the uh, all of the hires thus far. Now, we talk, we talk, that last week we talked last week we talked about your boy Mayock joining the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the off, as the uh, excuse me, not the offensive coordinator, as the uh, uh, general manager. Although Gruden, for better or for worse, was still be uh, calling the shots there. That's fantastic. Uh, in terms of the, so we've had a number of hires. Uh, so here are the, all the hires thus far. Um, Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury. Cincinnati, we think it's going to be the Zach Taylor fellow. Not sure yet. Uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, Freddie Kitchens. Uh, they're off, they're, they're, that's another guy. Freddie Kitchens, nobody heard of a year ago. This year he's the uh, running backs coach. He's been like a position coach for a long time, but nobody really knew of him. He becomes the offensive coordinator after the whole Todd Haley, Hugh Jackson debacle. And then the, the offense immediately explodes with Baker Mayfield. He's got a great relationship with Mayfield. And here he is getting the head coaching job. Uh, Vic Fangio in Denver, a long-time defensive coordinator, really good coach, uh, 60 years old. and be, will become one of the older coaches in the NFL. Matt LaFleur, obviously, for the Packers. Jets with Adam Gase, who was fired by the Dolphins, who have yet to hire head coach in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. Um, but with the exception of the bias of – saying Matt LaFleur, because I think you can make a case for a number of guys. I'm going to go with the aforementioned Freddie Kitchens, because Greg Williams was the interim coach, but and that led him to a 5-3 record down the stretch. But I don't think that Greg Williams really had a lot of, deserved a lot of credit for what the, the um, for the resurgence of the Browns and their strong finish. And I think, but I think a lot of it has to do with Freddie Kitchens' play calling. And it was reported that the Browns wanted to hire Mike McCarthy, but they said you have to make Kitchens your offensive coordinator. McCarthy, and to be fair, not probably an awful move. Coaches want to bring in their own guys, said no. But Mm -hmm. Kitchens now ultimately got the head job, and he's got a great relationship. You've got to build around Baker Mayfield. He looked tremendous down the stretch, second half of the season. I think that's a very solid hire. I also think Bruce Arians, if if his health, that's why, you know, he had – uh, his health is why he had quote unquote retired from the Cardinals only a couple of seasons ago, but he's another tremendous offensive coach, and he loves Jameis Winston, and he, he, that's the key there. Because Jameis Winston's still going to be around, but next year's really make or break. But I think those two hires, and then a little Matt Lafleur love, are probably the 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 top hires we've had. What's been a funky coaching carousel thus far, and we still got two uh, openings to fill. Who are the two teams left they need to fill? Since the the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you know, and and so there are rumors that they were potentially going to hire Hugh Jackson. It's not looking like that's going to be the case, which I think you got to be ecstatic about if you're a <sighs> Bengals fan and the Miami Dolphins, and they're still kind of sorting everything out as well. So two teams, uh, two teams that have been pretty mediocre for a long time. Uh, the remaining clubs that need to hire a head coach. 
That's fantastic. Of course, we have some uh, more stuff on the way. You know, Fanatic Radio, take a quick break. When we come back, <laughs> some baseball talk, which is great, you know, because we love mm, baseball talk in the middle of uh, middle of dead of winter. And uh, and other just funny news stories and some melancholy stories that will swing, your, swing your way with the good fans. Uh, fan mail coming up next. Fanatic Radio, Block of Radio. Fanatic Radio. They stink! It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on... Block Talk Radio. Every day is filled with a million reasons to give. Every moment is an opportunity to send a smile. From birthdays to get well days, there's always a reason to send a smile with 1-800-Flowers.com. Millions of businesses count on Fiverr every day to get things done faster, better, and on budget. Fiverr.com is the world's largest marketplace for the professional and creative services you need to give your business a boost. Best of all, every service on Fiverr starts at just $5. Go to Fiverr.com now and discover how easy it is to find the exact service you need at the price you want. No bidding, no membership fees. Just browse, buy, done. Sign up today for free at Fiverr.com. Radio. You know what ought to happen to them? No. They ought to be stabbed by cocktail forks. Oh it's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on... Blog Talk Radio. My God, I've been Florence. We are Fanatic Radio, the Millennial Show. Back at it, we talked some college football. Why I think that people don't care about college anymore, yet the student debt rises, and yet we're worried about... Freaking Trevor Lawrence going to the NFL. You know, if he's that my thing is if he's that good, it doesn't matter where he goes, he'll make an impact. And and I could go on for days about basketball, and I did. And we also talked about Flo's new team Flo's Packers coaching hire. Matt LaFleur. It's funny because in about ten years we'll be old enough to uh not only run for president or our but we could also uh be NFL head coaches. That's the thing. We got into the wrong industry. <laughs> news and news and sports public relations. We're we're idiots. We should have, we should have just been a grad assistant. Of course, we went to a school with no basket, with no football. Um, speaking of that, we have to give we have to give an update on AU athletics, on AU Eagles basketball. How are we doing? Because when we left off. We went to, into the break. We were getting ready for Patriot League season, and we had an awful record. And I said they would. I said we would tank. This would be. Uh, Brennan's last year. Please hope that I eat my words. Um, as I am, see, I don't know. The thing with the Patriot League and the American, it's so hard to tell because eight and six overall record. That could be good. We could be on the. You could be on the rise. Two and one in conference. I am kicking myself because I'm actually glad I didn't go to this game. Sunday, Jan- uh, January sixth. They played a disgusting school called Colgate University. The sad thing was, it was in Colgate. I was two hours away yeah. from seeing my beloved alma mater play. Unfortunately, I had... Oh, that's, that is why. There's reasons behind this. Okay, quick story. So I get home. I get back. Because I remember I did the show when I got back into town. That was the third. That was about a week ago. That was a week ago. And great few, great few days... We're getting ready to go on sale. We went on sale for the general public to buy tickets to the various events we have at Watkins Glen. And so Friday, 
Friday, I went out with some coworkers in Corning, which was great because I haven't been bar hopping in a while, you know, quite some time. Saturday, uh, this is this is great. So one of the guys is our track photographer. He lives. He's from a town called Horseheads, which is halfway between Corning and Elmira, which are the two main cities in my area along Highway 86 that goes east and west from probably probably you know Binghamton. Basically, basically, it's the fast track to get to New York if you're going east. And then west, it take it could take you west takes you pretty much all the way to Erie. And then, and then you catch, or then it goes along, you know, the lake to Cleveland. I think it turns into ninety or something like that. It turns into a different highway. Anyway, Horseheads is right in the middle. And this guy, track photographer, he's from Horseheads. I think he's he's like he's the perfect example. You know, he he knows everyone. He lives he's lived with his parents. He's like in his mid thirties, but he doesn't care. You have no idea. I'm always wondering when he's going to settle down or get married or even, like, date someone. Because the guy is... It's not like he's high-maintenance either. He's he's hilarious. I don't, I don't know why I'm, I'm pitching him for a dating site, but... He... The, the beauty about him is... Because he is so... I'd say, like, country. Not country, but anti-city. Because he's so rural. He's like... He's, he... He and his... And a buddy he went to high school with, who are diehard campers of at our track... They, you know how like we we go like we would go to a bar and watch football, or we'd go or the great Tyler Tomeo, we'd go watch the UFC fight. That I didn't that he would know all the wrestlers, all the the fighters, and I would have no clue any of the title cards, any of the the people on the card were. These guys love to watch racing, which is fantastic because that is secretly my favorite love. You know when I'm not watching college basketball or football. Or, you know, the occasional tennis match or whatnot, or the Olympics. I'll, I will watch racing as much as I can as well. So I went over to his buddy's house, which, by the way, and it's just, it's like an onion. It gets better and better. It just peels with layers and layers. His buddy lives with three girls, but they live in a house. And he lives in, like, a separate attachment where you got to go upstairs, past the washer dryer. He basically lives in like the attic. Like the attic's been converted. It, it's it's the most disgusting place. You know, he has two cats. It stinks. It's like shag pile carpet. You know, and it, the guy's room is like a closet. His bathroom's a mess. His kitchen's just got like mold in the sinks and stuff like that. Pots and pans everywhere. But the dude loves his racing. And we watched. I think it was like a not. It wasn't even the official Rolex Twenty Four qualifying or practice. It was like a tune-up series, three-hour race. So I watched that, which is great. Because the last time I was over at his house and, we, and I watched a racing event, I drank for 10 hours straight, maybe 12, because I watched the Petit Le Mans, which is the, the season finale for the M Sports Car Series, and it's a 10-hour, freaking 10-hour race, which was epic. I have photos, I have photos of, my great beer, of the Great Pyramid of 2018. And anyway, we finish we finish the race, and my buddy's like, I'm gonna go. He's like, I gotta go to this other party for my fantasy football league. And he goes, What are you doing later? And I said, You know, nothing. And he's like, You should come with. And so I'm thinking, Okay, we're gonna go to this guy's house, go to this guy's apartment, watch some football, have a few beers. Oh my god, this this. And this is what I'm saying. This guy's like the gym class hero. He knows everyone. <laughs> and because and because he's never been anywhere outside his comfort zone, this fantasy league 
every person he met or the people he has met, he's met like within the bars around the town. It's it's so bizarre. We get to the and he's like in his he's like in his early thirties. The guy who owns the house is probably in his mid late thirties. And this is just picture this. We 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 walk down to his basement, and the guy has a newly refurbished basement. Three TVs or two TVs on two walls. One one TV, all of them you know fifty inches or more. One TV behind a, a bar. All, you know, more more liquor than you see at a dive bar. Those le- leather leather sofa, two two sets of leather sofas. And I walk down, and he's got he's got the UVA Florida State game on one TV. He's got some hockey game on the other TV. And then he's got, and then all of a sudden I just see like two naked women on a screen, and I'm thinking, what is going on? You know, am I am I gonna get like mugged? Or like yeah, poisoned or something like that. He when he got his cable, he got free three months free of the Playboy Channel. And I'm thinking to myself, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna buy it. But it's like his wife in the room. But that's the thing. It's the guy. It's the guy and his wife in like their thirties. Two kids that are in one of his nephew and this one kid whose mom is a bartender. They're they're both in their early. They're both college, like twenty one. Actually, one was like eighteen. One was like nineteen, and then you got this guy named Jim, who's like a seventy-year-old Vietnam vet, who just brings him back all these lick, all these liquors from overseas, like German schnapps and South African coffee liqueur. It was, it was mental, and we watched football, drank every shot in the book. Did not throw up. I was very pleased myself. Partied on so hard. I ended up getting home. I kid you not. At six, I went to bed at six a.m. The next day, it was ridiculous, and that was. I don't know where I was going with that story, but oh, that was Saturday. Sunday was the American Colgate game, and I didn't go. And of course, American loses their one and only Patriot League loss. They play Bucknell on Saturday. Tough road stretch. Bucknell, Lehigh. Then they play Lafayette. Lehigh and Lafayette are always... Bucknell and Lehigh, you know, those are always the teams you got to watch out for in the Patriot League. Lafayette is is always the joke, much like Holy Cross. Uh, but yeah, that's they don't play anywhere close to where I live, so that's very sad. Maybe I could, I could sack it up and go see Lafayette in February, but I'd rather get tickets to go see Syracuse play. Speaking of which... Speaking of Saturday, Zion Williams, 360 dunk. Oh, man. Good God. I watched, you know, they look great. It's funny, is they're not even, they are number one, but are they, they're, they're probably the best team in college basketball. But it's sad that they probably won't win the national championship. Well, we, are, we are getting into college basketball mode. I will break it down fully as we get closer, probably to like late January, February. Before we roll into March Madness, because um, a lot of teams are still up in the air on who rises to the top. Uzabuki or whatever the hell his name is, he got hurt. He's out for the season. Mm-hmm. It's Kansas. So hopefully Tech or someone can beat Kansas for the Big 12 title. But we roll forward. <clears throat> a fan mail. Yes, the fans are pouring – the FNAC Radio, gmail.com, pouring support for um, the Oscars. For us to host it, if they're if the academy is listening, 
we're great. We don't have a bad track record of racist tweets. We love everyone. We, we, we're all about having a good time. You know, we look good for the sake of us looking good. But we're better than James Franco. It's actually funny. When I hosted our Christmas party, I yeah. that was actually I watched two two uh, two things. I watched Jimmy Kimmel see how he would how see he hosted the Oscars, and then one of the one of the recommended videos was like Franco, and I was like, hey, this is what not to do. Probably this Franco has such an esoteric sense of humor that just at least mine. Uh, that's kind of a, some of the jokes. Actually, I kid you not. Some of the jokes. That's kind of how I felt when I hosted our, our award show because half of the people didn't even know who I was. Because there are operations staff and me being the newest person, um, and then another and then another of them, I think it's just because they were so drunk, or like I don't know, just a lot of my a lot of my jokes, I feel like just went <laughs> just went over everyone's head, which is weird because it's like you think the whole office would understand, and that was my that was one of my cardinal rules is make sure everyone in the office understands. I guess not. The float, <laughs> New York Yankees, baseball, Zach yeah. Britton, Troy Tulowitzki. Are you guys locked in? Lo- uh, of all the baseball talk we do, it's like exclusively Yankees. I love it. I mean, they make the biggest splash. We'll get to Bryce Harper next because the fans want to know our thoughts on him. <laughs> but uh, are the Yankees yeah. locked and loaded? What else do you guys need to make this the perfect squad? Well, well I would love to, uh, to sign uh, Manny Machado, but we've gotten – Inconsistent reports about the Packers are not in, uh, are not in the mix. The Packers have not made an offer. Nobody really seems to know. Well, I mean, at least now because Manny Machado hasn't signed anywhere. It's alleged that the final two teams are the Philadelphia Phillies and, interestingly, the Chicago White Sox. Mm. Um, but the Pack uh, people still think that the Yankees uh, may potentially be in the mix. Nobody really knows, but. Even though uh, Andujar, uh, Miguel Andujar was great uh, or very solid at third base, uh, rookie for the New York Yankees, but bringing in a guy like Machado would be really cool. But if not that, yeah, you know, David Robinson, that terrific reliever, he left. Signed hmm. elsewhere. I don't recall where. Let me double check where. David Robinson signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, the Phillies is going to make a big push this year. Strong bullpen, build up the bullpen because, as we know, uh, the Yankees have great starting pitching, but the way you can counteract uh, inconsistent starting pitching is having a really strong bullpen. Right. So bullpen, bullpen is a key concern. What about, what about Bryce Harper? He had a five-hour meeting with the Nationals. Now he's leaning towards it. Does he stay? Does he uh, now? Because now that Washington signed someone else big today. For a one-year deal, is that incline Mr. Harper to stay, knowing that the the Phillies are loading up, so the Nats got to do the same, right? Yeah, I mean the the Phillies uh, will meet with uh, Harper this this excuse me this weekend, but it's it's interesting. There hasn't been a lot of aggressive bids. Uh, for Harper, the Yankees don't seem to be in the mix. The Dodgers don't seem to be in the mix. The Nationals haven't increased their offer that Harper rejected $300 million over 10 years. So it, it's weird. There's a, a really interesting article on TheRinger.com about why isn't there much uh, activity for Machado or Harper. It's very odd to see. 
Uh, I, I expect that will heat up by the end of the month. I mean, if either guy signed by the end of the month, that is something strange is going on. Um, but it'll be fascinating to see. But it seems a little more action for Machado, but not a lot of action, surprisingly, for Harper. We shall see um, what that could potentially mean going forward. I was going to say, what does that mean? Because I think Bryce Harper is a better player than Manny Machado, especially because Homeboy openly admitted that running ain't his cup of tea. Um, that's right. And so it's very fascinating. You know, there was a time in baseball where uh, not too long ago where guys are signing massive contracts left and right and getting bidding wars. The hot stuff was really hot. And we've already had the winter meetings. They came and went a few weeks ago. And here we are, these two elite guys. And guys like these two generally don't hit the uh, uh, these young uh, stars, elite players. So often hit the free agent market, and yet teams are a little hesitant to uh, put their chips in. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think gone are the days of the overpriced baseball player, because now, like you said, everything's so on pitching, especially when you get into the postseason. You just got to make it. You have, you have to be competent. That's one thing the Cubs need to get back to. I think they strayed too far away. Well, first of all, they can never find a replacement for, um, I think it was uh, Dexter Fowler, leadoff hitter. Madden was scrambling the whole time. He looked like an idiot. And then by the time they got someone, you know, look out, here comes the the Brewers. Suck, but whatever. We digress. That's all baseball news. And back to back to the back to the NFL, we get a little uh, pop, not pop culture, but a little culture, a little gambling mix. NFL and Caesars sign a official partnership. Is this a good idea, or a disaster waiting to happen? Well, I think it's again, it, it's it's not surprising, um, and I think ultimately these kind of deals, we're going to see more of them because gambling is just going to start opening up, and we all know that. And ultimately, it's it's becoming a big thing as more states start to legal, uh, move to legalize it. And, you know, you start seeing books all over the place. It's no longer just a, uh, a Vegas activity. So the NFL getting in the mix doesn't surprise me at all. They need to have some sort of deal with somebody uh, uh, ahead of the um, – uh, of the Raiders coming to town. It's interesting that they chose Caesars Entertainment, considering mm. uh, I believe the MGM is uh, is the one that's uh, kind of in on the uh, action with the Raiders. But uh, uh, you know, you're going to start seeing more things like this. And you're going to see more embracing of it. Got the league down. You know, I was when I was home uh, in New Jersey, I was watching uh, the Devils, and like there were sports gaming as a William Hill ads all over the place. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, it's it's just you open up the floodgates and you better be prepared for when the water comes through and that's what's gonna happen with sports gambling and I love it. And we love how it's just complete wild west and how we've been endorsing it for for years and yet everyone's too afraid to sort of jump on board. You gotta take risks. Since being conservative doesn't get you anywhere, it ain't cutting the checks, it ain't paying the bills. Because um, we, 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 we endorse gambling on FNAC Radio. Just kidding. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. <laughs> uh, staying, staying in D.C., as we mentioned, Bryce Harper. Alexander Ovechkin, named captain of his team. Skipping the All-Star game. Fair or foul? 
I missed that question. I'm sorry. I was reading stuff. What, what, can you say it again? No, you had Alexander Ovechkin uh, skipping the All-Star game and NHL penalizing him fair or foul. Well, I think the, I mean, the NHL, I, I, I presume there are rules that if you have to, if you get into the NHL All-Star game, you have to play if you're able to play and, uh, I guess clearly that Mr. Ovechkin did not want to play, and so the NHL, I guess, followed the rules. I think they look ridiculous, but I think Ovechkin's thought process was, um, hey, you know, I'm clearly getting up there in age. Uh, I'm looking to win a second Stanley Cup. You know, don't need to take the beating. Well, then I, even though the uh, there's not a lot of contact and physicality in the NHL All-Star game, I don't have a problem with it. I think players should be should, should be allowed to choose. I mean, guys do this all the time in the Pro Bowl, and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And that's at the end of the season. So I don't see see I don't have an issue with it uh, during uh, the middle of the season. It kind of makes me mad because you know the All Star Game for the NHL. It is the thing is he could he could easily go to the All Star Game and then like not do anything. Or like fake an injury, but to, to miss it completely, I think is not, not extremely selfish because you know, shout out to the Russians, but it's it's kind of sad. He should at least show face and and you know say like, oh I'm sick, or, or I, I tweak something in practice. At least lie about an injury. To flat out ditch it is kind of weird, or it's kind of bizarre, considering that yeah, the Capitals are great, and so he doesn't have to really go out of his way to do this. But he's got, you gotta show up. You got you gotta help. You gotta help all you can with the NHL. Um, you know to endorse the team, to endorse the ridiculous teams like the Florida Panthers, the Carolina Hurricanes, which we hate. Because Golden State Warriors <laughs> gave a timeline to Boogie Cousins, January eighteenth. Will he meet that deadline, and will the Warriors become a better team with with him when he joins? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's just players are, uh, uh, for whatever reason, I feel a little more free to be like, mm, you, you know what, I'm not going to play in the All-Star game and I'll take this as pension. Now, I'm sure there are folks, there are cat folks and fans are like, man, you know, well, he's being selfish. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> but we love prima donnas. We well, I mean, we love prima donnas. We also, you know, we can't hurt a hate on guys for being like, hey, you know what? I don't need to go through the wear and tear, particularly at this age, and do mm. this little game that really doesn't have any meaning. Uh, so why not? I don't have an issue with it. All right, to uh, to basketball we go. Golden State Warriors. They get Boogie Cousins back January eighteenth. Does this make them a better team, or will he, or is it sort of? I guess I don't know. Is it basically with, with the way they play, is adding him going to help or hurt them in the long run? Well, it's 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 easy to argue that it will help them because, quite frankly, Demarcus Cousins is an elite big man. That's mm. the one thing that the the Warriors have not had is that an elite playmaker or a player at that center position, and it's hard for them to do that considering all the money invested in Durant and, uh, you know, you got Draymond and Curry and Clay Thompson. It's it's hard for them to do that. So it's going to be very fascinating to watch, and particularly how Steve Kerr eases him in 
once he's health, once he is healthy and able to go. Um, it's gonna be very fascinating to watch. Because Golden State it seems like there's some uh, uh, there's a potential to use the phrase chinks in the armor. Uh, they mm. look strong, but they haven't looked, uh, you know, so dominant and omnipotent to the point where nobody can take them out. Uh, depending on how Cousins, how he fares and uh, figures into the mix, he can make it then that team that's just completely unstoppable. But we don't know yet, and that's going to be very fascinating to watch. Yeah. Speaking of Golden State, they and the, uh, the Warriors, and the Kings and combined for like 41, 42 three-pointers the other night. NBA record. Does that make you sad or happy? I mean, it is what it is. Um, I I personally find it a little hard, not hard to get into uh, the NBA, but for something like this, you know, it is what it is. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, Clay Thompson had a spectacular. He scored like what forty points and five dribbles. I mean, it was yeah. crazy. And it's one of those things where the Kings are a really fun team to watch. Like they're hanging around five hundred, hanging around the playoff race. Uh, this is just the kind of league uh, that we got going on right now. Uh, a lot of high energy threes um, and a lot of uh, high octane offense. Uh, it's mm. fun to watch, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me. If by the end of the season, uh, we still got a couple more months to go, that we see it broken again. That's just uh, the, the way the game is going right now, and I think it's and I think it's good for the game to have a lot of offense and be fun to watch and set some of the meat grinders crap fest we used to see back in the day. <laughs> like at Eastern Conference, you know, and LeBron would intentionally try to make it a game in the seventies. What was, what, was the, what was the worst? What was the worst basketball game you've ever seen? Was it an AU Athletics game? I'm pretty sure it was. Actually, no. I have one. I have one. I have a worse one. I once, my brother and I once saw Georgetown play Tennessee. Is that when I think when Bruce? How did it when Bruce Pearl was at Tennessee? Or no, maybe it wasn't. Who was the coach after him? Oh, it was when we were in college. It was when we were in college. So. Pearl had to been yeah. Um, Bruce Pearl got fired in 2011, so you're older than me. So it would have been that last year, that 2010 to 2011 year. Uh, following him at Tennessee was who was it? It was uh, Tennessee was Quanzo Mark, who's and then with the Cal- now the head coach of a good friend at the uh, University of Missouri. That's right, and he's actually running a solid program. He, so he, I think that was his first mm-hmm. year, and Tennessee was ranked because the year before they like stunk when Pearl let the cat out of the bag and all the recruiting violations. They played Georgetown, and it's probably one of the worst offensive games I've ever seen. I think the final score was thirty-nine to thirty-seven. You know, all defense, both teams played zone. No one could hit a shot. Yep, thirty-seven, thirty-six. Yep, that was the game. Garbage, god awful basketball. <laughs> and oh I think I thought, looking at some of these scores. Yeah, the box score makes you want to throw up. Yeah, that was the that's probably the worst basketball game I saw. Two two mediocre teams. Not even like there was George. Because what year? What year was that? This was 2012, 2013. And I just want to note that 
the month prior in the Puerto Rico tip-off, uh, they put up 45 against Oklahoma <laughs> State and lost. And then the game right after losing at Georgetown in the SEC Big East Challenge, this is 2012, 2012-2013 season, they went to Virginia and lost 46-38. to 38. And then <laughs> at the end of December, they, they, they scored 51 points. This team has so many games in the 50s. Oh, my Lord. I'm just looking yeah, at Tennessee. Down the, <laughs> he was, this team lost in the SEC tournament. They put up 48 points against Alabama. Like, uh, yeah. What is that? Oh my lord! And, and, and now the coach is a solid coach, in, in back in the SEC yeah. with Mizzou, made Cal a tournament tournament team. Uh, George Tennant, Patrick Chewing. Yeah, that was another, like John Thompson. Really, is a bad coach. Um, who who was on this? Who was on those teams? Do you have the rosters with you? Who was on that Georgetown team? Was it Otto Porter? Uh. Uh, that that let me look up uh, Georgia real quick. Uh, that Tennessee team they had Jarnell Stokes, uh, huh. who played a little bit. Josh Richardson was on that team. Uh, Trey Golden, not a lot of uh, big name guys, but yeah, Georgetown. Let's take a look at this 2012-2013 Georgetown. This was was this the Georgetown team that. Um, what did this team do in the tournament? This 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 was the yes. This is the Georgetown team that ended up losing to Florida Gulf Coast. I uh, knew it. It's got to be the Auto Porter team, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Auto Porter was on it. Uh, Devontae Smith Rivera. Yes. Uh, Starks. Uh, uh, Big guy, the really fat guy that played the fat guy that played center. That would always get winded right down the court. Tyler Adams. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a team that won the Big East tournament. And everyone was like, you know, they get, team, they get back to the Final Four. And then they end up being the, you know, that, that was a crazy year the 15 seeds took over. Which now now that UMBC is one as a 16 seed, it, like upsets don't matter anymore in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that was probably the worst basketball game I saw. And now Tennessee is is solid. Rick Barnes, hate the guy, but he is he is managed to take hey. his success. But he managed to take his success away at Texas, where he recruits the football guys to play basketball, and it works. It pipeline, and kudos to him. They're the best. They're one of the top ten best teams in the country. Probably the best team in the SEC, which is fantastic. Uh, final sports story before we get to the uh, the other just nonsense that happened in the world. Uh, the great, the great, the great Mean Gene passed away. Were you a big fan? Uh, I yes. know you uh, you are the king of posting the occasional Ric Flair comment or the occasional you know broadcast in the eighties. Uh, mm-hmm. Sad to see one of the uh, the iconic sideline reporters uh, pass away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gene Okerlund, people talk about when the wrestling boom in the 80s, uh, when the WWE got huge and guys like Hulk Hogan, and, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage really became huge stars, among others, Ric Flair and uh, what was in Jim Crockett Promotions. Um, yes. But really a Andre key the guy... 
a key piece that absolutely Andre the Giant, you know, that famous uh, uh, Silverdome, WrestleMania three against Hulk Hogan, but a key guy in all of that for the WWE, or then the WWF, was Mean Gene Okerlund, who was a straight guy, always a consummate straight guy and professional, brilliant broadcaster, who was uh, the, uh, the interviewer who threw all of the crazy and wacky promos from back then, always kept a straight face. Sold the talent, got the talent over instead of himself. Uh, and that continued when he went to uh, WCW. And then he fostered a relationship with Ric Flair. And, of course, the famous uh, Hulk Hogan here turned to form the uh, New World Order back in 1996. It really was a legendary career in a, in a uniquely professional wrestling character. And he will be greatly missed. And, you know, he, even the last 10 years of his life, he was uh, active, still active with the WWE, doing a lot of content for them. A lot of really good stuff, and, and he's just a true legend, and everybody always said a consummate pro and a pro, a true gentleman and a good man. So rest in peace, a mean Gene Okerlund. And, and lastly featured in a hilarious Kevin Hart commercial with uh, Kevin That's Hart right. in a Mount, Mountain Dew commercial. As, cause, oh, we're we're going to play that. Where, where, where's, the, where's the audio on that? We need, to, we need to bring this up. Hold on. That was actually, I remember, I don't know where I was. Oh, it was before, it was before, it was before I went on to the tour stop to Philly. And I don't know what I was watching, but all of a sudden, oh, you know what? I think I was watching um, the, the great, the great, Love and Basketball series on ESPN, which is actually part of my thumbs up, mm. thumbs down. But uh, you know they have they have those like little fifteen second commercials before the episode begins. And yeah, Kevin Hart is dressed up as I, I guess someone resembling one of those crazy wrestlers of the eighties. I struggle in my house to turn it on. Yeah, this is yeah, this is it. <laughs> It's one of the most creative commercials I've seen in a while, and I know, and I'm normally a guy that hates advertising. Um, yeah, it's like the voice inside his head, and it's, it, that's funny because I'm when I first because I'm not a big wrestler, I'm not like you and Tyler Tamea. I had no idea who this guy was. And I was like, and so I'm reading the comments, and everyone's like, oh, Mean Gene with a cameo. And I was like, who is this guy? And then after, then if I put two and two together, after watching, you know, like, the clips that you post, I'm like, oh, they're always, like, taking shots. Like, Hulk Hogan's always taking shots at this guy. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's sad. It's sad that the great sports journalists have gone. And this is the past, like, three years. We lost Keith Jackson. We lost Dick Enberg. We lost Mean Gene. You know, and, and yet we get stuck with, with Stephen A. Smith, with uh, uh, Skip Bayless, you know, Colin, Cow- your boy, Colin Coward, your boy. It's, it's just, it's absolute trash. Uh, and lastly, this, this is what I saw on the news. Uh, I think it's an Australian or American study says that James Bond is an alcoholic and, and too masculine. What do you make of... of the social justice warriors going after one of the greatest action heroes of all time. 
Well, you know, we talk about the SJWs or, you know, I don't really get too fed up with those folks, frankly, uh, because, you know, I think so much of the outrage is, uh, I mean, sometimes they raise legitimate points, whatever they are, and sometimes they don't. But I'm going to turn the floor back to you because I'll be completely honest. I am not uh, familiar with this case, but it sounds like you are fired up, my friend. Well, the the thing is, what makes me mad, I'm with you, is they do bring up certain issues. Like these people, these people, I'd say these people. Certain, certain people bring up certain issues, which in my, it's like, it's like with the LeBron James thing. We talked about this last week. I think he's, it's, it's, it's karma that he's out, he's hurt, you know, because the man has, the man has way too much of, of a platform. And, the the thing is, I don't mind what they say. It's just the amount of sort of nonstop coverage and outrage. Basically, some study. Again, wh- where is the study for you know solving the cure for cancer or or world hunger? They're doing these independent studies saying you know they're like dissecting James Bond how he. He has too many. In the course of a movie, he has too many drinks. He's an alcoholic. He's too, I don't know, dominating or whatever it is. And th- th- these people, like when they, you know, when they make these outlandish things about like the Grinch or like how Charlie Brown is sacrilegious or things like that, they miss the point that these are, these are fictitious in their in their movies. You know, that's not, you know, James Bond's not a real person. There's no guy who goes and fights terrorism and comes out unscathed drinks and then has sex with beautiful women. It's like, he's, he's a fictitious character written from a book. So it's, it's, it's these people that tie modern day stuff to fictitious events. It gets my mom actually fired up. She being a librarian, she's like, Oh, I read the book and it's nothing like that. So that's that's my sort of beef with it, where it gets me fired up because just don't do it, just don't worry about it. Makes me mad. Cause I love James Bond. We need. And that's another thing. It's like you know the people get on the train of is he train should, should there be a, should there be a gay James Bond? No, there should not be a gay James James Bond. Much like oh, I'm mad, there is a female Doctor Who. Doctor Who is based on a book, it's a story. Man, the author created a story, and Doctor Who is a male doctor. There's not, there's no option. I think it's, people want people want answers and they want clarity. Sometimes, whatever happened to a whatever happened to imagination, you know, or the, or the the quest for knowledge or thinking for yourself. We don't do that anymore. It's it's very upsetting, and and I don't lose sleep over it because I have a Casper mattress. Which is fantastic. I highly endorse it, by the way. Uh, I've got I've gotten great nights sleep. The only downside is I've never slept on a memory foam mattress before. And what I used to do, I guess, because my previous mattresses, college, home, wherever, they used to be they used to be firm where I used to have to sleep on two pillows. But with sleeping on a memory foam mattress, I'm already sinking into the mattress, so two pillows actually hurts my neck. And like, I think that's where I actually got back problems. When I, by the time I got that, I had that masseuse back on like Labor Day weekend. The lady had came to my house and nearly like, yeah, I nearly ripped my insides out. 
with with the first ever deep tissue massage I ever had, which is fantastic. I'm about to get one again soon, especially after the world tour I went on. Uh, no idea where I was going with this. Oh well. Uh oh. What was I talking about? Uh oh yeah, but uh, Castro mattress. Yeah, so I sleep with one pillow, and it's just weird. I don't like it, but I have to do it because it's like the only way to get a good, satisfying night's sleep. Um, and yeah, with so, yeah, with so little time running out, we go to this. You cannot be serious. But it's time for thumbs up, thumbs down. As I will end the show, another great week with what was good, what was bad in the world. Well, I know you have, you had a lot of bad, at least in the world. <laughs> But good because, as you as you've always said, all the, the the mayhem that goes on in Washington keeps you gainfully employed. <laughs> it keeps me gainfully employed, keeps me busy at work. Uh, it makes the time fly by. But you know, I just have no concept of really of time anymore at, at Fox mm. and at work because these news cycles are ridiculous. It'll be, I'm guaranteed, it'll be fr- tomorrow, and it'll be like. Wait, Trump, President Trump spoke to the country in an address that happened four days ago? I thought that happened a year ago. That's what happened to me, and that's what happens to everybody that I work with, you know, whether they're at White House, you know, they work at the Pentagon or the L.A. I mean, I don't care, but everybody is just, it's just, it's just crazy. The news cycles, all the nonsense, all the riffraff, it's uh, completely out of control, but... Uh, what was also out of control, I'm going to give a thumbs down to uh, your boy Kelly Oubre for something he did against your Dallas Mavericks and the great Luka Doncic. He was another one of those guys that, for whatever reason, decided to slap the floor. Did it right in front of Luka Doncic. And what does Luka Doncic do? Drive on him, do a fadeaway, get a clean look, score. I mean, it's just when, when guys do this, I mean, they just get owned. So I don't know. It's it's, it's uh, I don't know. So that's uh, my thumbs down. I'm surprised, I'm surprised people still slap the floor. Cause I remember that was a very that was a very '90s 2000 thing to do for Duke. Yeah. And you don't see anyone do that anymore. <laughs> Let alone the NBA where there's no defense. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But that that's my thumbs down. First thumbs up is going to go to. We talked last week about Stephen A. Smith. Uh, feuding with David Blatt for whatever reason. That was a feud Blatt started. This new feud is a feud Stephen A started. Stephen A on his radio show has this whole long rant about um, Cliff Kingsbury. And he echoed a lot of the points you made earlier. And then he made fun of the fact that he's a good-looking guy and he should be on The Bachelor and this and that. And it was kind of goofy, but weird, but so on. But the backstory behind this is earlier in the season, uh, actually only a matter of weeks ago, ahead of that uh, the char- that big Chargers Chiefs contest, mm-hmm. um, which the Chargers ultimately won, uh, Stephen A. broke it down by mentioning three guys on the Charger or three players that were hurt and not playing, um, one of whom was tight end Hunter Henry, um, who had gotten hurt early in the uh, – got hurt in the spring – as well as mentioning uh, former Chiefs linebacker Derek Johnson, who was currently out of the play, uh, out of the league. So that was uh, that's the context for him mentioning Hunter Henry, and that 
Hunter Henry just got activated, will play for the Chargers against the Chiefs uh, this weekend, and that's why the, the Cardinals uh, uh, bashed him back, saying that we thought uh, you would be in a good mood since the Chargers activated Hunter Henry, recalling that saying, uh, that clip. If you got to go and find it, you got to find it because it's spectacular. Then Stephen A. goes in this whole long rant about, I don't care how many mistakes I've made in my 25 years. It falls short of the moribund product you guys contaminated the state of Arizona with over the previous four months. Uh, it's on a scapegoat, blah, blah, blah. Wish you the b- best of luck. Not rooting against Mr. Kingsbury, but I will be watching. So, whatever that means. We now have Stephen A. Smith feuding with Twitter accounts and pro franchises. So, that was great. But my 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 bigger thumbs up, my top thumbs up, and I mentioned this earlier. You know, we talked about going into the end of the uh, NASCAR season. Uh, my favorite mm. driver, Casey Kane, retiring. My favorite NASCAR driver. So I had to pick a new driver. And I had decided, it came to me just like a premonition, and I decided, here's who I'm going to pick. It is uh, the one and only, the driver of the number 12 uh, Menards machine for Team Penske, our boy with the tremendous uh, social media presence, the great Ryan Brainy is the new B-Flow favorite driver in NASCAR. How about that? He's actually one of my favorite guys to watch. Other than other than my boy Kyle Larson, because he's the I think he's one of the my age. Ryan Blaney, man of the people. I like him better than Chase Elliott because even though he'll yeah. even though Chase Elliott won our race, um, so we're forever you know. Ryan Blaney, definitely a solid man of the people to lead the new generation. Because he's a great he's a great example. The reason why he's so good, and you see this all the time in like in pro sports, where if the if the dad is is a winner, the son will always be worse because the forever trying to live up to the hype. Dale Jr.'s one, Michael Andretti's another. Um, you know, we see it in football all the time. We see it in baseball, basketball. But if the dad is worse. Then the son could always be better. Ken Griffey Jr. is a good example. Um, what's another father-son pairing where the son is better? Bat, you see that? I see that in college basketball all the time. I can't even think of a name. Um, well, maybe, maybe you know Steph Curry. You could kind of argue Del Curry wasn't. It was a great player, but he's not you know unanimous MVP or an NBA champion. Brian Blaney is a perfect example. Dave Blaney. It's so mediocre and average. That makes his son so much better. Fantastic pick. You won't be disappointed because he'll actually have a good season. My only concern with NASCAR, I'm getting ahead of myself. More NASCAR news in February. Is the Fords will struggle because whoever figures out the Mustang, it's kind of like what the Chevys did this year with the Camaro. And, you know, new, new body, it always goes bad. And a guy in a Toyota will probably win it this year. Okay, I have a couple of thumbs up, thumbs down. I will start. I will start with my thumbs down because we'll end we'll end the show on a positive. Thumbs down. Uh, I've mentioned goes to offense and basketball. I add the Warriors and Kings combined for forty-one threes because a lot of this offense is just junk. 
College basketball as well. I hate it when you're down by two and you insist on shooting a three for the win. Just go for the tie and win in overtime. If you're that good of a team, it makes you so mad. Then an ISO ball. That's, that's the death of basketball. Uh, thumbs down goes to Amazon because, again, another study says that Alexa marriage patterns. I don't know how. I don't know why. But I don't believe that at all. It, I don't know how. I mean, Alexa's listening to you. That's why I don't have one in my house. I never will. Thumbs down to those those services, too. Get the world lazy. You know, go buy your stupid groceries. You Anyone who owns an Alexa or whatnot lives in a big city that's easily accessible to a grocery store. You want to know my struggles? I live in a town that I can't above probably, God, you know, 1,500 people. The biggest place is Walmart, and to get even quality produce, I got to drive 30 minutes to the nearest grocery store, to the nearest Wegmans. In Horseheads, because that one's bad. I got to go to the one in Ithaca, which is nicer. So I got to drive on single lane roads in the backwoods with no cell service. So anyone with an Alexa or a Google Home or a Facebook portal, fight me. Because I can't stand people that use it. It's like my brother's stupid fiance. She's got one. It's so annoying. I don't want to play trivia. I don't want to do it. I just want to. I want to watch. I want to watch my TV shows. And first of all, who is name anyone you know named Alexa? By the way, you know there's. I know an Alexis, MVP, <laughs> wife of the great Mike Meadows, who's our chief photographer for ISC. I don't know name Alexa, so I don't know where they got that name from. It's dumb. First of all, I've always said Amazon's going to be the death of civilization, and we're on our way. Uh, two thumbs up. Thumbs up goes to Christian Pulisic, the uh, the forever the ever forever starlet of U.S. soccer. He signed a million dollar transfer fee to go to Chelsea, leaving Dortmund. So he's going to be back. He's going to be in the Premier League on Saturdays. Um, because that ultimately be the death of his career because he has had injuries before when he was in Germany, which I always think the Bundesliga is a better league anyway. But the problem with the EPL is it's like it's what is it like? It's like it's like the NFL. At least in Germany, you know, you can take results with a grain of salt because you have a very good coaching staff and good training. In England though, it's so fast paced and so under the microscope because it's like kind of like the NFL of of world soccer that that next crop of talent is always form immediately. He could be playing for Chelsea for like two years and then get on loan to some crappy team, which is not good considering he's the best player the U S has to offer. So thumbs up because he's setting, continuing to trend set the world as a United States citizen, but thumbs down because he probably should have stayed in Germany, but you know, at his age, you got to chase the money. Because the kid's got nothing to lose. Also, thumbs up goes, and I know I don't do this, but thumbs up goes to Geico. They're the best campaign. Uh, and that's actually our final question before we sign off. Geico commercials, who would you vote for? Because we have a lot to choose from. We have, we got the, the camel. We have the caveman. We have the rhetorical questions guy. We've got the gecko. What has been your favorite Geico commercial? 
I mean, the Gecko is just so iconic, and it's amazing that they're one of those companies that has multiple ad campaigns for the same company. Like, the Gecko has been <laughs> such a classic. Uh, the Cavemen were kind of fun, actually. I like the Cavemen. We've seen the one with the guy in the airport. And then when ABC decided to make a television show out of that, I yeah. completely just destroyed that. Uh, the uh, the Gamble was pretty good. Uh, the one with the... I also like the one with uh, the uh, I think the pig in the in the, the back seat going wee wee that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> guys, so the, the rhetorical questions one went on for a really long time, but Trump called for a boycott of Geico because of those ads, <laughs> which makes them great again. So that was fantastic as well. So yeah, Geico they've had some misses, but they've had a lot of hits. That's right. This, this is it's fantastic. ABC's Caveman, one season, thirteen episodes. Oh, god. Was not renewed. Was not renewed. Um, starring playing Lisa Caveman, uh, but but also starring Nick Kroll, the uh, I think he's a Saturday Night Live guy. Also in great movies such as Get Rid of the Green, Captain Underpants, Uncle Drew. <laughs> Sausage party, and 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 that's pretty much it. But he's just that he's just that actor that's just there. Yeah, Geico, Geico caveman. Yeah, let's let's see all the ads they had. I hate the pig. I think it's I think he's annoying. It's funny. I, I have a coworker who has a little um, statue of the pig. For what it's worth, Geico. Shout out to Chevy Chase, by the way. Um, but see, these are all the ones: the gecko. The caveman, yeah, the pig, the the rhetorical questions, and then there are new ones which are stupid, and and that's pretty much it. Actually, my favorite commercial, my favorite Geico commercial of all, other than the caveman, because those guys are hilarious, but my favorite Geico commercial of all is um. The Geico, the the paid the paid actors saying this is, um, let's say like Paula is a Geico comer, a Geico's customer, not a real actor. So to to tell their yes. story, we got, and then it, it featured one of the, one of them featured three. There's they made, they made three. They featured Little Richard, um, talking about like Thanksgiving dinner. The uh the immortal God Evers. And then, uh, and then the late great Don LaFontaine, you know, the the movie trailer guy, as one of my favorite ads of all time. And we're gonna, you know, that's gonna be our final thing. So I'll do, I'll do it for. Uh, I'm gonna find that ad. Guys, that's an old <laughs> one. Cause he's been dead for like a really long time. All right, so that'll do it for Fanatic Radio. We'll end you, we'll end you <laughs> with, uh, with this Geico ad. Notorious influence on my Gardner. We'll be back next week. Talk about the run of the Super Bowl. Atlanta, which is an okay city. I don't know. But uh, for all of our sponsors, the Tri Zone Florence, I'm like, catch us anytime. Podcast on iTunes, blogtalkradio.com, b4360.com, our social pipes. Influence on Mike Gardner. This is my, this is my choice for the uh, for the best guy. Follow everyone. Nah. is a real Geico customer, not an actor. So to help tell her story, we hired that announcer guy from the movies. When the storm hit, both our cars were totally under.